go to Matthew in chapter 16. And uh, just today I want to talk a little bit about <coughs> something that's always on my mind um, because uh, um, it's a thing that now and again uh, we're always we're confronted with and so on. That uh, <coughs> uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, he... Uh, um, Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves as the disciples, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which uh, Jesus, when perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason you among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves and the five thousand, and how many baskets you took up, neither the seven loaves and the four thousand, and how many baskets you took up. How is it that you do not understand that I spake? It is not of you concerning the bread that you should be aware of, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And <clears throat> we find... Um, as I say over the years at times uh, we are confronted with these sorts of issues that people want to change the rules they want to change uh, the word of God into something that uh, is not what it is and uh, we, uh, you know, we read in Proverbs chapter 14 and in chapter 16 there is a way that seemeth right unto a man but the way of the end, the end of the, the, the way uh, of death is the end or the end thereof is death one or the other anyway you die and uh, uh, and but mankind thinks that this is a good way of doing this or this is a good way of doing that and they want to change the rules as they go along and uh, how many of we over the years have we seen that and uh, Jesus spoke of the the unjust steward where you know, good, near enough was good enough. Well, when it comes to the gospel, near enough is not good enough. It has to be as the word of God says. It has to be uh, according to what Jesus Christ said and what he uh, maintained and what is written in, our, in, the, in the Bible, in the word of God. And we start changing that, then near enough is good enough. And it's not. God doesn't go, oh, well, that's near enough. That You know, you're sort of all right as it is and that doctrine's near enough. It doesn't work that way. And we need to be very much aware of what we're saying to people. We read in uh, uh, Second Thessalonians and uh, chapter 2. We duck over there just for a moment. And Second uh, <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul writing here and saying, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as the day of the Christ is at hand. And Paul was imploring these people not to be troubled and, and shaken by hearing other things other ideas and so on, but to, to, to stand in the, in the way that he had spoken to them 
the way he directed them in Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul writing to Timothy and saying, Wherefore I put into the remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be, ye part, be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to thine own purpose and grace, which was given in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our, our Saviour Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, has made life and immortality light through the gospel, whereunto... I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I am no whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now Paul's writing about all the things that he was been through and established and so on, and he's saying, don't you remember when we prayed for you and prayed for you and so on. And, uh, and then he spoke about Jesus Christ and what he accomplished and so on. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it, of the gospel, of the things that I've said, and I believe that he'll keep that until the end. And in verse 13, he's encouraging Timothy here and saying, you hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. The good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And Paul's encouraging Peter, uh, Timothy here to hold fast to what he had. You hang on to what I remember back when we prayed together, when we prayed for this one and, and all those sorts of things. And he said, you hang on to that. You hang on to that remembrance, that memory by the Holy Ghost. You hang on to it and don't depart from it and don't be ashamed of it. People these days want to change things because they're a little bit ashamed of Jesus Christ. They're a little bit ashamed of Jesus sort of being very much evident in their life. They want to be a, a, a sort of a Christian, if you like, but, oh, hang on a minute, we don't want to be that much of a Christian. Just be nice people. It doesn't count in the word of God. You've got to be nice people, but uh, that's, not the, that's not the way into the, into the kingdom. It's repentance, baptism, infilling the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Let's go back to Second Samuel. <clears throat> the story here of a couple of fellas, Second Samuel in chapter 18. And this is a time when uh, David decided he wanted to number of the people that were around the place in Israel and uh, the Lord wasn't terribly happy with that idea and uh, particularly talking about Absalom David's son and uh, he was a bit keen to go out into this particular battle and uh, in uh, pick it up in verse uh, 9 Absalom met the servant of David and Absalom rode upon a mule and the mule went under a thick bough of the great oak and his head caught hold of the oak and was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule was under him, went away. So he got sort of caught in the fork of a tree, 
and the mule kept going. Uh, he didn't. So he wasn't that well. And a man, a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak tree. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, uh, thou sawest him, and why didn't thou not smite him there to the ground? Or uh, <coughs> strike him down. And, uh, and I have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth a hand against the king's son, for in our hearing the king's charge thee, and Abashi and uh, Atiah, uh, uh, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom, otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against my own life, for there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldst have set thyself against me. So the idea was that <coughs> don't leave him hanging in the tree, go and bury him and we, we can maybe make up a bit of a story or something, whatever they were thinking. But it wasn't sort of a good idea to leave him there. Uh, the king might get upset and and, uh, and we might come up with some other story. And uh, <coughs> verse 14, Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the, the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And the ten young men that uh, that uh, bear Joab's armour compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. And Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing after Israel for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him. And it, all Israel fled every one to his tent. And now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar which is in the king's dale. For he said, I have no son to keep my name to remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name, and he called the place under this day Absalom's place. Then said Ahimez, the son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the king's tidings, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear, bear tidings another day. But this day there shall be no tidings, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to Cushi, Go tell the king what they have seen. Cushi bowed himself unto Joab and ran. Then said Ahimez, the son of Zadok, again, yet again to Joab, But however, however let me, I pray thee also run after Cushi. And uh, Joab said, Wherefore will thou run, my son, seeing thou hast no tidings ready? But howsoever said he, let me run. And he said unto him, then run. Then Ahimez ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushi. And David sat between the two gates and the watchman went up on the roof of the gate and under the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king and the king said, if it be, he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apart and drew near. And the watchman saw another man running, and, and the watchman called and, unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, Also, he also bringeth tidings. And the watchman said, Let me, let me think, uh, said, Me thinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimez, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and cometh with good tidings. 
And Ahimez called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down on the earth in his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord God, uh, which has delivered unto the men, up the men that, that lifted up their hand against uh, my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimez answered, When Job sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand there. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushy came. Cushy said, Tidings, my lord king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushy, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushy answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise to do thee, uh, against thee to do thee hurt as thou, as that young man is. In other words, the young man was killed as they wanted to kill off David and his troops. This is what happened to your son Absalom. And the king was much moved and went to the chamber over the gate and wept. And he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I have died for thee, Absalom, my son, my son. And Absalom was dying. So it's sort of a story here of uh, Absalom uh, (coughs) dying. And the the runners had to go back and tell David, sorry, but your son died. Fairly simple uh, sort of thing to do, probably not exciting, but uh, that's, you know, everybody knew what had happened. So it wasn't as though that Ahimez didn't know what had happened. He was very much in the... in the in the area there, he knew what had happened to Absalom, where they'd put him, how they'd buried him, and so on. So he was very much aware of that. But when he came back to David, he gave him a story. Oh well, there was yeah, there was a big fight going on at a tumult, and I don't really know what happened there. And he sort of left it all a bit airy fairy. I don't know what's happened here and or there. Uh, you know, I don't know. Cushy came in and said, sorry, there was a tumult, yes, but your son died, sorry. Very, you know, it, it, not a very pleasant thing to say or anything or what to do, but it was the truth. Cushy said, this is what happened. Ahimez, this is a story. And how often do we hear lovely stories? And Jesus As this fellow said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to stick to the truth. We can't change and make up a story about Jesus Christ. We can't make up a story and say, yes, there's a cross here, there's an idol over here, there's a little bit of a story here, there's a flag there, and and whatever. And and people make up all sorts of stories and uh, ideas and, and so on to follow Jesus Christ. But the truth is, if you're not repentant, baptised in water and filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, you're not saved. It's as simple as that. That's the truth. That's what Jesus said. He that is believeth and is baptised shall be saved. And the signs are following, speaking in tongues. You can't make up anything else about that. But people want to make up stories. Yes, we've got a wonderful cross. 
over here and it's got lights behind it or, or whatever. It's got nothing to do with anything. But people make up these stories and it sounds nice. <coughs> Excuse me. And it sounds nice that, yeah, it's a, you know, a nice little place and it's a nice little cottage and a nice little, little uh, church and so on here and there. And, and people get sidetracked after those things. And, and right from the beginning, as, as we read, don't be troubled. Don't be sidetracked. Don't be troubled about those sorts of things. Let's go back to, uh, 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 Matthew chapter 17. I think most of us know this story here uh, of, of verse 1, Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. And uh, after six days, Jesus taketh uh, Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth him up unto a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. His raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto him, unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to, to be here. If that will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Don't worry about all the other stuff. That was the Old Testament and laws and, and prophets and so on. This is the way I want you to listen to. This is the one, Jesus Christ. He's my son. You listen to him. And, and really that's the direction of the New Testament and all the, the gospels and so on. Jesus spoke of the, of the way that uh, we need to follow after him. And then the apostles followed and, and Paul the apostle came along later. And, uh, and, uh, that's what we read a bit earlier and we'll read a bit more in a minute of the things that Paul recognized right from the word go. As Paul was converted on the way to Damascus, he was knocked off his pony or horse or mule or whatever he's on. And, you know, he said, what's going on? And he said, the Lord said to him, why persecute me? And Paul was converted after that. He was sent off and Ananias prayed for him and, uh, and uh, uh, I think it was him there, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized, and he set about making things right. He was a he was a, he would have been classified as a good Christian before that, getting rid of all these silly people that spoke in tongues, put them in jail and whatever, and chase them out of here and there. And uh, he would have been in the world classified uh, as a good Pharisee, a good man. Doing the right thing by God. And God said, Paul, stop it. Go and preach Jesus Christ. Go and preach the truth. And which he did. And he spoke lots of things uh, that we can read. If we go over to First John and uh, chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Which is just after Peter. And I don't want to mention Peter again tonight or today. Because he's, he's not... He's not written down anywhere. First um, John chapter 2 and uh, <clears throat> verse 12. John was uh, around the place and he wrote obviously the gospel of John and then about him and then he was uh, he wrote uh, these uh, epistles. And he was writing here in First in John in chapter 2 and verse 12 and he said, I'll write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. 
I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because you have known the father. And I have written, written unto your fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because you are strong. The word of God abideth in you. You have overcome the wicked one. The point he's writing to all of us here, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And John was writing here to each and every one of us here today, little children, older men, younger men, ladies, all sorts, all the different people. You know the Lord, you know how to do it, you're particularly young men he was referring to here as well. You're young, you're strong, you're courageous, and you need to be. Be courageous for the gospel, to stand up and be counted and not be caving in. And that was what John was writing. It's not a time to cave in now because who knows how long we've got. I was talking to Brother Peter earlier before the meeting about uh, the, the situation there in, in China and so on. He was witnessing to a Chinese lady yesterday and uh, uh, I was spoken to a lady down at uh, Mount Gamber, a sister in the fellowship, and she was from China and she was said the, chi- the talk in, in China at the moment and as Kerry said, uh, uh, they're gathering food together and the talk is they're going to war in August. I'm not sure who against, probably America, I suspect. But that's the talk in China. So we're in an interesting place, interesting times, uh, and, and who knows how long we've got. Will there be a war in that time? I don't know. But we need to be ready. We need to stand up and to be strong and hang on to the truth of the word of God, and all of us, but particularly, uh, I mean, I've been around for over 50 years, and, you know, getting a bit long in the tooth, and forget things, and all that sort of stuff, but there's a lot of young men these days that are ready, strong, courageous, and I say to you, hang on to the truth, stand sure in what we've got, and because... The times come, I won't be here. And nor will some of these fellows behind here. You're next to stand up for the gospel, to stand up for the truth. And in these last days, uh, you know, the, the devil's running around like a roaring lion trying to devour people, trying to get your attention. And what about this over here? What about that over there? And what about this doctor? And doesn't, well, it doesn't really matter about speaking in tongues, does it really matter about baptism as long as you get wet somehow, a little bit of water, someone can hose you down, doesn't matter. It does matter. It's important that you do it according to the word of God. And really that's what John was saying here, love not the world. The world will lead us astray. It'll, it'll come up with all sorts of ideas. And I, I don't want to get bogged down in ideas and other church activities and so on today because that's not the issue. The issue is, are we standing up for the truth? As an individual, the Bible says to work out your own salvation 
in fear and trembling. That doesn't mean make up your own rules. It means are you ready and have you done according to the word of God? Does your salvation fit with the word of God? If it doesn't, you're making something up and you need to come back to the truth of the word of God and and, uh, we need to stand strong in those issues that the word of God is not just pushed aside but we stand for the word of God and the things that are written therein. Um, Acts chapter 20, we read here, uh, uh, Paul was farewelling the the people there at Ephesus and uh, verse 22 Paul's writing and saying, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that the bonds and affliction abide in me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul was about to go and he said, I haven't Stop preaching the kingdom of God. I have not shunned to declare unto you the truth and the gospel. And he was being led away and they would never see him again, those people in Ephesus. And uh, it was his life came to an end sometime later. But he said there in verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock which over which oversee uh, over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the flock of God, the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. And he said to take heed, to make sure, and he went on there talking about other things, but he was making sure that we recognise the position that all of us are in, that all of us stand on our own before the Lord. Have I done what Paul said today? Have I not shunned to declare all the counsel of God? And I get an opportunity, or do I like Cushy's mate and make up a story? And we come across that a lot. And really, right through um, the epistles, Paul wrote a lot about the various people and people that left here, and he talks about in the uh, in Timothy and so on, he stood. He was on his own at times, and uh, but he was very to, happy to finish up. He said, "I've finished the race, finished the course. I'm now ready to be offered." And uh, he knows there's a crown of glory awaits him. Paul knew that because he stood firm for the word of God. He stood up for the things that that he was uh, he'd been convicted by and recognised by uh, right back in the Book of Acts. He got stopped on the way to Damascus. And the Lord said, no, you're going the wrong way, Paul. Come back here and I'll tell you, someone will tell you the truth. You go and preach that. You preach to the Gentile nations particularly. 
and he did that. And he wrote a lot of the old, a lot of the New Testament, a lot of the epistles wrote, he, he, <coughs> he wrote to all the various churches around, encouraging them as we read bits and pieces to make sure they hang on to what they've got. If we finish, go to Revelations in chapter 3, and all the, the, the first couple of chapters of Revelations, talking about various churches and go on, but in these latter reign, latter days, we see here in verse 14, the angel of the, Lord, of the church of Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have no need of, no of need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. People think we're okay. We're a good Christian people. We've got a lovely fellowship etc etc and and uh, and uh, here John was writing and saying the Lord sometimes is highlighting issues and he was talking particularly this uh, group of people and they'd change the doctrine and if you read the historical version of uh, of uh, Laodicea and the church and the city of Laodicea it was getting softer and softer and softer and the approach to Jesus Christ. And that's why John wrote here, because they're lukewarm, like lukewarm water, you're neither hot or cold. And because of that, the Lord is not happy with that church, with those people. It can be an individual. It doesn't necessarily have to be, a, you know, 500 people or 100 people, whatever. It can be an individual. Are we lukewarm? That's really the question here. And, and, and really... <clears throat> my question to all of us today, are we lukewarm? If we get opportunity, do we speak the gospel, the truth, or do we sort of, uh, a bit like uh, those fellows in Samuel, do we sort of make up a bit of a story? Because one, this is the truth, the other one, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened. Yes, he did. He knew exactly what had happened, but he didn't want to say because he would have had to say, your son's dead to the king, which is probably a bit confronting, but sometimes we have to confront certain people and say, no, you're not, you're not going the right way. Come this way. This is what the Bible says, and, and really that was my point here today. Make sure that when we talk to people about the gospel, we show them exactly what to do, how to get saved, and we make sure that we are walking in the Word of God and according to the Word of God. Let's finish in Second Timothy. Just one uh, one verse there, <clears throat> and chapter Second Timothy, chapter two, verse fifteen. The Bible says in chapter two of Second Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that is needed, need, needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Make sure that um, we be diligent, that we can be presented ourselves, if you like, 
to the Lord that we approved of God, we're showing forth what God would like us to be, how we would like us to be, how we'd like us to behave. There's lots of aspects of the word of God. It's not just stand up on the street corner and, and say you need to repent and be baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible said once we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we now need to walk in the Spirit. We need to do what the, the word of God says. We can't just say, well, I'm, I'm saved now. No, you're not. You're saved when the Lord comes back and you're doing the right thing. In the meantime, you walk a walk. You walk according to the word of God. You walk according to the spirit of God. And re- what he says, read the epistles, read the, the various stories, and am I walking according to that? Or have I just decided to make up my own rules along the way? And, and, and Timothy was saying here, you make sure, you be diligent to make sure you're walking according to what is written in the Word of God. They don't make up, this, well, I don't like that bit, tear it out. They don't like that little bit, tear it out, or dodge it. They don't like that. No, we need to do everything. And, you know, a lot of us, uh, a big, when I first came along, uh, there was major changes in my life. I didn't like it, but I knew I had to do it. And uh, I, was, I used to wander all around the place and I used to shear sheep for a living. I had a, a 50-50 partnership in our farm and uh, had a piggery of my own as well. And I loved that lifestyle, you know, drinking alcohol and smoking and fighting in the pubs and so on. I loved the lifestyle. It doesn't sound like a Christian, does it? Well, it wasn't. Um, but no one said, stop doing what you're doing. But I knew I had to change as I read more and more and I never asked anybody anything. I thought didn't understand anything. I'd never been to church and uh, so I didn't know how church operated when they operated the gifts of the Spirit. I just thought people made that up. Oh, it's his turn today sort of thing. That one's turn and, oh, that was interesting what they said. took me about three years to work out what was going on. I think I know what goes on now. I'm not sure. but, um, But change had to happen. Right from the day, you know, the next morning from being filled with the Holy Ghost. Alcohol went. Cigarettes went. The swearing went. And eventually the lifestyle went. And I had to change. And I came to live we, when we first married. Well, I was single when I first came to the Lord and, and, um, I used to sort of do things, work around bits and pieces. When we first got married, we lived at Salisbury for a while. Then we moved down south and so on when the, the, the assembly was quite small. But things changed. I, I came and lived in the city, if you like, which I didn't like. I remember when I was 17, I was asked to come and play football for Norwood and uh, I hated it, living in the city and so on. After 12 months, I, I went home and back out into the country. I didn't like it. But once I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I could do it. No one said anything, but the Word of God did. And so we're tuned in to the Spirit of God, the Word of God, ask the the Lord for direction. If you're not sure on things, you're not sure how how to walk in the Spirit, read the Word of God. Ask yourself, why do we sing choruses? Don't ask people. Work it out for yourself. 
It's in the Word of God. Why do we sing hymns? It's in the Word of God. Why do we pray in the Spirit? It's in the Word of God. All those things are there. It's up to you to work out how you walk in the Spirit. God wants us to do those things. God wants us to walk according to his word. Make sure we do, all the people said.